I just physically am killing myself, literally killing myself trying to make this way. And by the time I get to the fight, I don't even fucking care. Like, but really- I mean, That becomes the fight. That becomes the fight. And it is, it's harder than a fight. Fighting's kind of fun. I fucking hate weight cutting. Welcome to The Real Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Max Gershberg. You just heard a piece of David Scott's story from September 2020 on the fight before the fight, the frightening culture of weight cutting in mixed martial arts. David went behind the curtain and embedded with an MMA athlete in the week before a fight to see up close the grueling and dangerous process that goes into making weight. It's a part of the fight game that's found its way into the news lately, after a number of incidents involving weight cuts gone bad. The most recent episode occurred just this past weekend on May 7th, when the UFC had to cancel a fight because Ryan Benoit was hospitalized after showing up to his way in so visibly ill and dehydrated, he couldn't even manage to stand on the scale. On today's podcast, we'll share David Scott's full report, which was recently nominated for an Emmy in the category of Outstanding Sports Journalism. And after you hear David's story, we'll be joined by renowned MMA reporter Ariel Helwani, who has spent years covering the sport and its weight-cutting culture. We'll discuss why MMA athletes are still forced to endure the practice and whether Helwani sees it changing anytime soon. But first, here's David Scott's Real Sports Report. Yeah. Professional mixed martial arts fighter Ramsey Nijem is ill, and he's got only himself to blame. It's possible you just pushed your body too far? I don't think it's a possibility. I think that's a fact. He's got a big fight tomorrow night, but right now, Nijem can hardly get out of bed. That's because in the span of just 17 hours, he's attempting to lose 13 pounds. I just physically am killing myself, literally killing myself trying to make this way. And by the time I get to the fight, I don't even fucking care. Like, but really- That becomes the fight. That becomes the fight. And it is, it's harder than a fight. Fighting's kind of fun. I fucking hate weight cutting. They call it weight cutting. And it's the part of the sport few ever see. But Ramsey Nijem allowed Real Sports to document his weight cut in all of its unsavory detail. I walked in, I was like, all right, it's time to do this. And you have like a pit in your stomach. I was like nervous, like more nervous than the fight because I'm like, I'm about to go to hell. The road to hell starts here in a converted banquet room in a Las Vegas hotel. First, Nijem covers his body in an oil-based gel that promotes sweating. Then he wraps himself in a rubber suit, then puts a sweatsuit on top of that before working out with his trainer, all to get as much sweat dripping as possible. It looks like you've already sweated right through the rubber. Yeah. Yeah, that's normal. And then through the outer layer. Outer layer, yeah. And I'll just keep on, I'm sweating still. If it looks like Nijem has no body fat to burn, that's because he already lost it in training camp, which means the remaining weight he has to lose will come entirely from sweat, 13 pounds of his body's essential water. With the sweat now flowing, Nijem is placed in a cocoon, 
a towel wrap from head to toe to keep the heat in and turbocharge the perspiration. I'm still sweating real good. The good news, when Nijim gets back on the scale, he's lost five pounds. The bad news, he still has to lose eight more, and the clock is ticking. <sighs> Up in his hotel room, Nijim gets into a scorching hot bath loaded with salts, which will suck the moisture from his body, an agonizing process. Give me a few more minutes, man. You got this. You're sweating beautifully. This is exactly what we're on right now. You know, this is good old-fashioned suffering for a second. Just, yeah, I can't do this shit right now. Yes, you can. Just pull me out, please. Just no, bro, bro. Get your... Get your... Get your all right. Stand up. Cool. Oh, man. I'm sorry. With 14 hours left and four pounds to go, Nijam is forced to take a break, his body now starving for water. Those first five pounds in the, in the workout... Yeah. Seemed like you were, you had a lot of energy. Yeah, yeah. The next five pounds were yeah. a lot harder, huh? Oh, yeah. And is that the way it is? Like every pound? <laughs> yeah. Oh, dude, I thought I'm a beaut. <sighs> Nearly all fighters do this, and all for one very simple reason. The lower the weight class a fighter can reach, the smaller his or her opponent is likely to be. Size matters. All things equal, yeah. the bigger opponent's gonna win. So that's what really drives the whole thing in all combat sports. Right? All combat sports, size advantage. Boxers cut weight for the same reason, but mixed martial artists have it worse because MMA promotions offer fewer weight classes spread further apart in pounds. That means to avoid fighting too large an opponent, MMA fighters will often cut 25 pounds or more. But perhaps most disturbing is this. Because virtually all MMA fighters cut weight, none wind up with an advantage. So in the end, it's all pain and no gain. It sounds like you don't really have any choice if you want to compete. You don't. If you want to be competitive, you don't have a choice. And it sucks. With just two hours to go until the weigh-in, Ramsey Nijim heads to the sauna. Never mind that his stomach is now completely sunken in, he still needs to lose one last pound. Your coach told me that it was like trying to wring a dry washcloth. Yes, we were in there for a couple of hours, and that's when Hack was like, you're not even losing weight, you're a dry towel. Like, trying to, like, you've been puked everything out, your body's shutting down, like, it's just not going to happen. Finally, with the deadline approaching, Nijim, now so weak he can't walk on his own, is escorted to the scales, the latest in a long line of MMA fighters who've tried to weigh in while dangerously ill. They'll show up really drained. They almost have to be carried in. Dr. Anthony Alessi helps oversee MMA weigh-ins for the state of Connecticut. He says that fighters often don't just look sick, but are sick, gravely so. It's not uncommon to be at a weigh-in and find that a fighter is in renal failure. We've had to send them to the emergency room to jumpstart their kidneys. Kidney failure? Kidney failure. That if they were to continue as they were, their kidneys would die. Some fighters get too sick to even make it to the weigh-in. Some fighters have died while cutting weight. Leandro Sousa passed out in a sauna 
and died soon after. Yang Jianbing suffered a fatal heart attack due to extreme dehydration. This has become bizarre. People are dying. And when are we going to stop it? Even fighters who survive the weight cut are not out of danger, Alessi says. Having purged so much water from their bodies, they are at great risk again the next night, fight night. Cerebrospinal fluid surrounds the brain. When you're dehydrating, you're losing that fluid, and therefore there's less cushion between the brain and the skull. They're more susceptible to brain injury? Absolutely. If you cut too much weight, your chin goes. You can get hit one time, and then you'll just go unconscious. Has that happened to you? Yeah, it happened one time. I cut a bunch of weight, and literally one punch put me to sleep. Just like that, it is all over. For years, the sport's biggest league, the UFC, has flirted with disaster overweight cutting. More than two dozen fighters have collapsed, been hospitalized, or fallen so ill during their weight cuts that their fights had to be called off. The Johnny Hendricks Tyron Woodley fight is off. Unfortunately, Johnny Hendricks suffered some issues last night due to his weight cut. He had to be hospitalized, kidney stones, intestinal blockage. In 2018, the league only narrowly escaped its first death. One of the UFC's top middleweights, Uriah Hall, lost 18 pounds in the final day before the weigh in, before collapsing into the arms of his trainer, Eric Nixick. Right away, we just said, hey, we got we to call, we gotta call uh, EMTs. Somebody reported seeing something that looked like seizure or convulsions. Everything just kind of seized up and was, was almost in rigor. The whole situation was, was very alarming. The EMTs come, they put him on a gurney. Yeah. What's going through your mind now? Just get fluids in this guy and, you know, hoping for the best. I mean, really, that's it. I think praying. Paul was rushed to the hospital where doctors determined he'd gone into kidney failure and hurried to save his life. What did doctors tell you would have happened if you went in that cage the next day? He told me I would have died. Because if I had to put my body through that stress, I wouldn't have recovered. But Hall says fighters like him have to grin and bear weight cuts if they want to be competitive. And he says he'll do it again. You damn near died for this sport. Yes. You okay with that? I mean, you gotta get paid. You don't make weight. You don't get paid. Is it hard to imagine putting yourself through this many more times? No. I'm not talking about the fight, but the weight cut. No. No. I'm a professional. It's my job. In a statement, the UFC told us that they want to, quote, combat the culture of extreme weight cutting that has plagued MMA and that they've begun to do that here at the UFC Performance Institute. We are the UFC Performance Institute. We bring the science of tomorrow to your training today. It's billed as a cutting-edge training and health center that brings science and technology to the art of fighting and the process of weight cutting. The Institute's Director of Nutrition is Clint Wattenberg. Huge point of emphasis is supporting our athletes in, in not only making weight, but doing so in, in the most efficient, effective, and helpful way. But what remains unclear is whether there is such a thing as a, quote, healthful way to drastically cut weight for a fight. In 2018, then-UFC champion Nico Montano had her weight cut supervised by the UFC Performance Institute. 
It began eight weeks before Montano's fight, when the UFC's Wattenberg gave Montano a battery of tests and told her she had the ability to drop from her current 155 pounds to a weight class 30 pounds lighter. The data corroborate the fact that, yeah, you can make 125. It's probably, you know, it's not going to be easy. Mm-hmm. You have you have the body fat to make 125. Okay. The scene was filmed by documentary director Landon Dykesterhouse. What's going on then? Clint is talking to Nico, saying the data shows you can make 125. <clears throat> it's not going to be easy, but it shows you have the body fat to do it. Dykesterhouse was there to make a film about one of the sport's brightest stories, Montano, the first Native American UFC champion but would instead get a look at the sport's dark underbelly. Trouble began the night before the weigh-in, as Montano still had 15 pounds to lose. At the Fight Hotel in Dallas, the UFC's Wattenberg personally supervised Montano's final push, accompanying her from the sauna to the hot tub to the salt bath. But Montano's health began to wane. This was getting worse and worse and worse. And then she starts to complain of a very sharp pain in her kidney. Still, Montano attempted to continue and was wrapped in a towel cocoon to keep sweating. That's when her condition became critical. Oh, Sits up, she starts dry heaving. And this is where Clint walks up to me and says, hey, I need you to stop filming. Before long, Montano was sent to the hospital, and the fight was off. Nico later said that the doctors told her her kidneys were on the verge of shutting down. They told her another 30 minutes could have cost her her life. UFC officials declined to be interviewed for this story, but told us that the Performance Institute emphasizes athletes' health above all, and that the vast majority of UFC fighters cut weight safely. Jump on here, let's see where he's at. As for Ramsey Nijem, with only minutes remaining, he finally gets on the scale. But though he's emaciated, he's still too heavy. 156.4. Nearly half a pound above the 156-pound limit. Nothing he tries seems able to draw another drop from his sapped body. But then, an idea. Just maybe... Shaving his sweat-soaked head will get him to the finish line. 155 point. Oh, fuck yes! Fuck yes! Incredibly, Nijam makes weight by a hair. It's a bizarre end to a bizarre ordeal. But around here, it's business as usual. The state athletic commission was there overseeing the whole process. The promotion, obviously, is... Is, uh, is running the whole show. Yeah. Um, and everyone's just watching this as if it was... Normal. Totally normal. It is. That's what's scary. One night later, the fight itself seems almost an afterthought. After cutting weight for 17 hours, Ramsey Nijem loses in less than a minute. It's a cruel twist, but Nijem will be back. He'll return to the cage, he says, no matter what it takes to get there.
And we're now joined by Ariel Helwani, journalist, longtime MMA reporter and host of Ariel Helwani's MMA show. He knows the sport and its culture as well as anyone out there. Ariel, thanks so much for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. You know, as fans, we hear about weight cutting and it seems pretty rough. But when you first started covering the sport, did it surprise you just how intense that part of the game is? Yeah, of course, because, you know, I'm a traditional sports fan as well. And I love the NBA and the NFL and Major League Baseball, and this isn't a part of it. And even if you are a boxing fan, obviously weight cutting is a part of boxing, but not, in my opinion, to the extreme that mixed martial arts is because there are less weight classes, right? You know, there, there aren't any 20-pound, you know, weight gaps in boxing, you don't go from middleweight 185 to 205. You know, there's several weight classes in between. And so especially um, in the higher weight classes, you'll see these extreme weight cuts. And this is really a culture that has developed in the world of wrestling, amateur wrestling, collegiate wrestling, Olympic wrestling. Um, guys are always going to cut a lot of weight. They're going to try to, you know, uh, cut as much as possible so that they can be as big as possible come match time or fight time. And so when you first enter this world and you're like, wow, you walk around at, say, 200, but you fight at 170 or 155. And wow, you weighed in at 155 on Friday and you fought at 175. Like, this is crazy stuff. This isn't the kind of stuff that we are used to in our day-to-day lives. So for sure, anyone who didn't grow up fighting or wrestling and now has to cover this or be a part of it would be shocked. I, I don't know anyone who isn't shocked by any of this initially. So let's break this down for the layman. The purpose of cutting weight, as you mentioned, is so bigger fighters can compete in weight classes that they otherwise would be too big and strong for and have that size advantage. But if almost everyone in the sport is cutting weight and weakening themselves in the process, isn't it just diminishing returns for everybody involved? Yes, to a degree. And I've long advocated for fighters to cut less weight and fight at their more natural weight, their 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 walk-around weight, if you will. And guess what? You'll often see a lot of fighters who move up and enjoy a lot more success. They're a lot happier. Fight week is a lot more tolerable when they don't have to cut a lot of weight. But especially the younger guys, the hard-headed ones, the ones who are trying to gain any kind of advantage and gain any kind of inch on their opponent, they're all going to try to cut as much possible because they feel like then they can uh, rehydrate as much as possible and put on more weight and then be at an advantage come Saturday. Now, one thing that has happened as of late to try and make this a little safer and curtail all this is to move the weigh-ins to the morning so that instead of having, say, 24 hours in between weigh-in and fight time, you now have around like 36 hours. So more time to rehydrate, more time to let your body heal from this extreme exercise that you're going through on Thursday. I mean, it's a crazy thing because in no other sport, like you don't go to the NBA Finals Game 7 and have to cut 20 pounds and then have to perform. Like the toughest part of the whole endeavor is the actual weigh-in the day before the cage fight. And so, yes, in a perfect world, everyone would be, you know, encouraged to not do this as much, but it's still, it's still a big problem. It's still a part of the sport. The question is, how do you stop a guy from accepting a fight who, you know, lies to you on the phone and says, oh yeah, I weigh 190. I can make 185 by next week. But in reality, he weighs 210, but he really needs the paycheck. Fighters are going to always, they're always going to be quick to say yes. There have to be people around them 
to say, mm, wait a second, like, is this the smartest thing for us right now? Should we take this fight? Are you too big? Will you make this weight, you know, in a healthy and safe way? All those questions need to be asked. And let's be honest, sometimes they're not asked because sometimes they think that they're, you know, superhuman and they can make this weight. You know, since we aired this story, this has continued to be a prevalent issue in the UFC. In the last year, there have been a number of UFC fighters hospitalized after weight cuts gone bad. Some of the frightening uh, incidents were, were captured on video. Did any of that get a real reaction from leadership at the UFC? Not to the best of my knowledge, and, and certainly nothing that was, uh, you know, forward facing. Um, I feel like weight cutting, let me be very clear, is a, is a really archaic thing. Like this, I don't think is a safe and healthy thing for fighters to put their bodies through. 24 to 36 hours before a cage fight, before they get punched in the head. I wish this wasn't an issue. I wish that everyone just agreed to fight at their walk-around weight and uh, may the best man or woman win. We saw a scary scene, um, I don't know, a month or so ago where a woman stepped on the scale. You know, she she lost her equilibrium. She fainted. And then she got back up and was asked to step on the scale again. Like, at that point, the fight should be called off. Like, we should not be doing this again. Like, what, what the heck are we doing by asking this person to step on a scale? Clearly, she is not in the right state to be doing this. And uh, thank Thank God, at least in major MMA, we have not seen a, a death as a result of a bad weight cut. We've seen some scary things. Uriah Hall with the heart attack, Hannah Burrell smashing his head on his bathroom you know, uh, sink. We've seen some scary things, and we have seen in lower-level MMA people die as a result. Thank God on the national stage it hasn't happened. I am scared about the day that it might happen because there's nothing to lead us to believe that it won't happen if this continues to you know, be an issue. As you know well, MMA fighters are not unionized, right? They have no collective bargaining power. You know, if they were, do you think this culture of intense weight cutting would be abolished or dramatically changed? I don't think it would be. I mean, look, if 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 I were organizing a union for fighters, item number one is not this. Item number one is collective bargaining. Item number one is revenue sharing. Item number one, sponsors. Item number one is is 24-7, 365 drug testing that they didn't have a say in. I understand that it's very easy to point the finger at the promoter. And by the way, it's not just the UFC. It's Bellator. It's PFL. They all do this. They all partake in this. Um, but this isn't a promoter problem. This is, for the most part, a fighter problem. They have to figure it out. And either you know they, they do or they come together and say, you know what, we want to change things. We want to add more weight classes. We want to be you know less of a gap between. But they're not saying that at this moment. So if there were a fighter union, yeah, this would be great. Uh, but I think that there are a lot of other things that they're missing out on by not having a union that they would probably have to address first. We did hear about one organization called One Championship, a big promoter in Asia, right? And they do hydration tests of athletes at weigh-ins to make sure they're not dangerously cutting intense amounts of weight. What do you know about that program and why hasn't it caught on elsewhere? Well, on its surface, I like it. Uh, I wish they had a little more transparency. You know, in, in Asia, um, there is no athletic commission, right? The government is not overseeing this. Essentially, one championship is overseeing and regulating their own events. And so because of that, they can essentially do whatever they want. And so they don't make these things public like they do here in the United States. The UFC wins are public. The PFL wins are public. The Beltor wins are public, etc. And so I like it in theory, but there's a part of me that's like, okay, what's really going on? Why aren't you making this public, right? Like how much are these people weighing in and 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 what's the process? Because I actually think that if this is a legit thing that is uh, liked by all the fighters, and for the most part, the fighters who I've talked to that fight over there have told me they enjoy the fact that they don't have to cut as much weight. Um, 
well, why not like share it with everyone so that everyone can see how it all goes down? And that's not really the case right now. So in theory, yes, before saying, I love it and everyone should adopt it, I wish we could see a little bit behind the curtain if you get what I'm saying. Where do the state commissions come down on this? They're the ones who are supposed to create rules that regulate and safeguard fights. Are any states, as far as you can tell, alarmed enough about this that they've tried to implement changes? Yes, and it's it's the big ones. The, the gold standard, in my opinion, the number one state athletic commission in the country right now is California. Andy Foster, in my opinion, is the best at what he does. He is the best commissioner in combat sports. And by the way, he doesn't just oversee MMA. He oversees boxing, kickboxing, whatever happens in the state of California. And so he has held numerous seminars, numerous uh, presentations he has put on to try to educate, to try to open discussion, to try to bring forth rules, to try to talk about. He even goes as far as to let the public know how much the fighters weigh in the following day at the fight. A lot of these uh, commissions don't make that stuff public. So he is as transparent as it gets and as good as it gets. Nevada is, is, is behind them right now, but doing their own things here and there, not as much, nowhere near as much, in my opinion, as California. But a lot of these other commissions don't have a lot of money. They don't have the resources to put on these seminars, to put on these presentations and stuff like that. Like they really make their money when a big event like the UFC or say like a massive top rank event shows up. Other than that, it's all very small stuff. So only the Californias and the Nevadas, the big dogs, have the time and resources and the personnel to do this stuff. So they really need to be leading the charge. And I would say Andy is doing his best and hopefully more follow suit. Ariel, do you see this widely accepted culture of weight cutting changing anytime soon? And what do you think it'll take to move the needle? Well, um, I do think there have been improvements in the sense that they changed the way in time. Uh, I think that was a big thing. And so I do think that slowly but surely things are changing. But again, like I said, this sport is so new. It is, we're still really in the embryonic stage of the sport. If you look back to things that happened 10 years ago, they're not happening now. Things are evolving, things are changing. And as long as it's, it's really, in my, in my opinion, it's incumbent upon the athletic commissions. As long as we have the Andy Fosters of the world and the Nevadas of the world who want to try to fix this, who don't want these incidents happening in their state on their watch, it, things will slowly but surely continue to change. So it, it, it's all kind of changing. Do I see it dramatically changing anytime soon? No. The only thing that could help change it like right now is if they added more weight classes. Is there a reason why uh, they, they won't add more weight classes? Well, uh, Dana White in particular has said that he doesn't want it to turn into boxing where there's like too many belts, right? Um, and I get that because, you know, the belts get a little bit watered down. I do think that the sport has evolved to the point where there are so many great fighters. You know, that was one of the problems in the past. The talent pool was so shallow. Um, you know, it didn't, it didn't make sense to stretch the roster that thin. But now there are so many great fighters that you could really have a great one. For, like, itch, in my opinion, it should be 125, 135, 145. Those exist. 155 exists. There is no 165. That should exist. It goes from 155 to 170. I think they should do 155, 165, add that, bump 170 to 175, and then do 185, 195, 205, and then heavyweight. And so I'm only asking for three new weight classes, and I think that would make a heck of a difference, but he doesn't want to add more. Well, Ariel, it's a crazy part of the fight game. I'm sure you'll continue to see it up close, and we thank you for coming on the pod to talk about it. My pleasure. Thank you. 
And that'll do it for today's Real Sports Podcast. We'll be back with a new episode following the premiere of the next Real Sports on May 25th. And a quick reminder to everyone listening, you can watch all recent episodes of Real Sports with Bryant Gumbel on HBO Max. I'm your host, Max Gershberg. Thanks for listening, and please join us again next time. 